Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. Hey guys, good morning and welcome to Mosaic in the Morning. I'm Pastor Naeem. Uh, I said I said Pastor Naeem. You are? I mean, you are. I never say Pastor no. Naeem. We'll make I, sure we put it down here. Put it, put it here. <laughs> Pastor. I like the bishop. But you're not a bishop. I'm not okay, a bishop. And I'm Kristen Young. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And, and we are so glad that you are joining us. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes. Um, we're going to have some fun this morning, we aren't are. we? We are. Hey, really quick, a special announcement. I don't know if you know, but it's your birthday. birthday. Of course you know. Of course Yay. you know. What'd you get me? I got you these pom-poms. And, and you already I, gave me these. These are new. These are new. These are, these, are, these are new, yeah. And they're the gift that keeps on giving because it's excitement and all that jazz, you know, all that stuff. I did mean to get you a lot of stuff, but then I thought, you know what? We'll just throw you a party. True. We'll throw you a party. So, we, tonight. Yes, my birthday party. It's food truck Sunday, right? It what, is. What's the cheer? You know the cheer. Fun day, fun day. Food truck Sunday. I didn't yes, that's it, that's it. Also known as my birthday party. Yeah, it's I'll a be surprise. 27. It's, it's it's a surprise. Sure, sure. We'll go with that, sweetie. We'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's a, we got to, guys come out, right? Yes, What's come out the details? tonight here at the Hope Center from 5 to 8 p.m. We have a couple of different um, food trucks. There's yes. tacos, there's pizza. And then we got Corona. Not Corona <laughs> ice. <laughs> Kona ice. Kona ice for the kids of, yes. all, of all ages. Yes, not Corona ice. Kona ice. No. So there'll be social distancing? Yes. Happening. Yep. Right? Okay, so be careful. I know. I'll put You're, my hands in my pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's your birthday, but still. And, and what about masks? Or is that optional? Just bring them. Just bring them. Bring them and we'll, have, we'll see, see what, happens. what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll yes. see what happens. Awesome. Well, we're excited about that. Yes. Um, and also for your birthday, I did give you also something else. And that is the privilege of actually speaking this morning. What? So you're speaking. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm so yes, excited. Yes, you're ending the last chapter of Philippians. So excited. Yeah. It's been a good series. It has. It really has. Today's really going to be a, like so good. It is going to be so good. It's your birthday. That's right. So regardless how well it goes <laughs> or how bad it goes, people are going to be like, it was amazing. That's right. It friends. was awesome. That's right. It was great. That's awesome. right. All right. What else have we got? after Philippians. Yes. Because it's going to be finished today. What are we doing next week? We are doing starting a brand new series okay. called I Feel. Okay. I Feel. Okay. Now you're thinking, what, what's going on with yep. this? I Feel. Uh, we're going to be talking about emotions and we're talking about feelings that, um, and the truth about them and how the human experience cannot be void uh, of them. And so mm. spirituality is connected to how we process through our feelings. It's actually going to be uh, based off of a passage in Scripture in Hebrews 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. It talks about how God, how Jesus, a high priest, is um, understanding 
understands what we were feeling. And, yeah. and in fact, gives us permission to feel all the feelings, mm-hmm. gives us courage to actually um, confront them, and, and gives, gives us power uh, to uh, process them. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. We're going to be talking about just some really um, good and bad feelings that we're all feeling. Awesome. Because I we are. I hope it's more than four weeks because I have a lot of feelings. Uh, it, it is definitely more than four okay, weeks. Good. It's going to be a long Stop. series. It's going to be a good one. And so we're excited, excited about awesome. that. Awesome. Yeah. It's going to be good. So yes. join us. Come back next Sunday for that. But yes. right now. Yes. Time for some good news. Some good news. Though. So here's what we do. We talk about all of the great things that God is doing because uh, because of your support. So, yes. Ashley, take it away. Hey, Mosaic. Ashley Fossil here with some good news. I had a great opportunity this week to spend some time at Caterpillar Ministries in Huntersville, and I'm so excited to let you know about some of the great things that they're doing in our community. For one, they have a food pantry, and they also occasionally receive fresh donations that they're able to give out to the people in their community. I'm going to let Maria tell you all about it. So one of the things that we have going on right now is uh, we have we are receiving 250 boxes of fresh vegetables from Seed and Harvest. And I have uh, teenagers from the neighborhood helping as well as my son and uh, my neighbor. And they will unload. What I will do then is once we are unloading, I will Facebook post. Uh, free veggies and the families will start coming in showing up and take a box of vegetables same thing happens with eggs usually we get about 90 dozen eggs a week from gm again and uh, the same thing facebook post and the families come and they get eggs and uh, we are very thankful for that every school year they do a school supply drive and sarah is going to fill us in on those details hey mosaic We are collecting school supplies. Last year, we gave out 254 kids received school supplies from us. So this year we are anticipating with our rising kindergarten and now college students that it'll be closer to 300 kids that we will be serving with school supplies. So you can donate school supplies um, at Dad's house or at Mosaic. Glue sticks, crayons, uh, composition notebooks, anything. We will take any school supplies. Another way that Caterpillar supports the students in their community is by offering tutoring. And right now they're doing virtual tutoring and Sarah's gonna tell us about that also. During the spring, we had 72 kids that were virtually tutored. The summer we've got around 35 that are being virtually tutored. And then as we move into the fall, well, things are gonna change big time. So our kids see the future, they can see college, they see careers, and we are just excited to see um, that they realize that God has big plans for them. Those are just a few of the ways that Caterpillar supports the families and people in the community that they serve. Be sure to check out Caterpillar Ministries online, on Facebook, and on Instagram to keep up with all the things that they're doing and ways that you can partner with them. Mosaic, thank you so much. It is because of your generosity and your support that we can come alongside nonprofits like Caterpillar Ministries and support all the good work that they are doing. We are so grateful for you to continually serve the people in our community. 
Good morning again, guys. I am so excited to be here with you to wrap up the series on Philippians. You know, the more that we have gone through this week by week and I have learned about Paul and studied about Paul, I'm like, I love Paul. I think I might be the Paul. You know, like I'm Rachel from Friends, obviously. You know, you watch a show, you pick the character. BuzzFeed probably has a quiz that would tell me if I'm right or not, but I just feel like I'm the Paul. Paul loves people. I love people. Paul's a church planter. I'm a church planter. I mean, listen how he starts this chapter. In verse one, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I mean, I'm gonna tell you what, I love people. I think that I might actually be the reason that we're not allowed to gather right now because if you guys were all here, they'd probably have to put me in restraints, okay? I would be hugging everybody and I know that's a problem. It's not allowed. (laughs) So I am on staff here. I am also a church planter like Paul. Technically, I run our second campus of Mosaic Church, but I had no idea what I was doing, guys, okay? When we started a couple years ago and so it felt like I was planting a brand new church, And I have to tell you, I would not say that at the beginning, Metro was my joy, (laughs) okay? That's a confession. Metro, I still love you. But I was counting tangible things. Those were the jewels in my crown. How many people were coming and sitting in seats every day? Was worship engaging? Did we have enough volunteers? Did we have enough people to watch our kids down in MKids? Those were the things that I counted as wins or the jewels in my crown. Then we got a couple years in, 2020 happened, and ooh, let me tell you what, we just knew that was our year. We had so many things happen, and we just walked around like this. Hey, 2020, we just, we talked about it in volunteer huddles. We knew, Metro, 2020, this was our year. We finally hit our stride, baby, and we were just going. But that didn't last long, did it? Because we know how 2020 has gone. So even though we were hitting attendance Uh, goals, and we were pushing them up higher, even though worship was amazing, we were doing all of these things, our volunteers were thriving, those are not things that we can count on anymore. See, I had to look at Metro, and I had to look at church as a whole differently, and I think what Paul's saying here, and where I can relate to, is he's a proud daddy, (laughs) he's a proud dad, he's proud of his people, and that is what the jewels in his crown really are about, that is his joy and his crown, You guys, this has nothing to do with the things that happen when we gather in our building. This is not attendance or cars in the parking lot or any of those things. When I watch you guys, that is my joy and my crown. I'm gonna tell you, for any pastor or church leader, when we can look, especially right now, when we're not allowed to gather together in the church building, when we see the way that you interact with each other, and you are caring for each other, and you are supporting for each other, and there is life change happening, and there is growth happening, that is what the joy and the crown are all about. So that's how Paul starts this chapter, and he is going to encourage people, and his people in in Philippi, and us, I think, too, in three ways. He tells them he wants them to stand firm with people in God's peace and in their purpose. So let's jump right in. In verse two and three, He says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Okay, this is a public 
call out. Did you see two named women? First of all, we don't usually get named women in the Bible. So anytime we see named women, we already know this is an important thing. In chapter two, he had already made kind of like a general statement and said, love one another and be one in spirit. But Paul knows his people. And so I wonder if he knew Euodia and Syntyche and they would hear that statement and throw shade at each other and be like, mm, girl, he's talking about you. No, boo, I think he's talking about you. So he calls them out by name. It's only two or three verses, but if it's important enough for Paul to put in, I think it's important enough for us to look at. See, I believe this is more than just OG girl drama. Paul said that these women contended at his side. And if we look up the original word for contended, the Greek word is synergos, which is a gladiatorial term. Okay, this is back, you know, gladiator fights in the Colosseum and whatever, however they were fighting in their lions or bears, or I don't even know. But it was not a passive thing, that much we do know. They were fighting. So these women, Paul said, were fighting and contending by his side. They were not there to just bring the disciples breakfast or clean up after them. To be honest, actually, they probably were. They probably were getting breakfast, cleaning their homes, going down to the river and getting water, giving their kids 37 snacks before lunch, even though they just had breakfast. They're doing all of these womanly duties. And in the midst of all that, they still signed up to fight and contend by Paul's side. Their homes were the church. This was not the norm in Rome. They did not have churches, so they had to come into their homes, bring people into their homes. And I'm sure that's what they were doing, cleaning up in the midst of everything else because they knew that somebody was coming in to read this letter and for them to help fight the good fight with Paul. The problem is, instead of fighting for the church, they were fighting in the church. And fighting in the church only leads to division. I know some of you are like, okay, well, that hits a little bit too close to home. No, thank you. Don't want to go there. I get it. Some of you are watching online because this has happened to you. You have dealt with conflict and division in the church, and it is painful, and it is hurtful, and it is really hard to come back from it. Maybe you had conflict with another person in a, in a past church experience. Maybe you saw conflict happening kind of behind the scenes or behind the curtains, and it just gave you a different view or perspective of what church was all about. Maybe you and the Big C Church just had a breakup, and you're like, as an institution, I just can't do this anymore. If you're carrying that hurt, I am sorry. I am sorry. It is a real, genuine thing, and we are so glad that you are here. Mosaic does not promise to be a perfect church. Actually, I'll tell you right now that we're not. <laughs> but we will do the best that we can to create a safe space for you to come back and try to reconnect with your faith again. See, the world is watching right now, just like Paul knew the world was watching them in Rome. And so what are people seeing when they look at the church? What does the world see? Do they see the love of God? Or do they see denominations fighting with one another? Do they see public religious leaders at odds spewing hate and anger at each other in the public eye? We don't know what Euodia and Sintichi were fighting about. And I wonder if the same is true for some of these church fights that are happening today. Do you even remember what the initial fight is? Or is it just something that was passed down? Either way, 
we have to recognize that when the world looks at us and this is what they see, anger, hurtful words, infighting, we can't wonder why people are turned off from church. We can't wonder why attendance is dropping and people are leaving. See, this is super important to me because I have such a heart for the local church. Not only is it a place that I know that you can get connected to Jesus, and yes, I know you can do that alone. You're doing it right now (laughs) behind a screen. But the church also provides a community. They are your support for when life gets rough. They are people that can love you and come around you, and they will create a safe space for you to try to find your faith again. We have to stand firm in our relationships with people because we affect how other people see the church. And part of the fight for the church is knowing what we're fighting against. And by the way, it's not the other person or denomination. We have to fight against unhealthy competition. We have to fight against gossip, betrayal, envy, pride, being right, having the right beliefs, having the right faith even. We have to fight against holding grudges, past hurts, unforgiveness. We have to fight against keeping people at arm's length where they can't hurt us, but also can't get in when we need connection. What are we fighting for? What does it look like? I think it looks like surrender and humility and making space for the difference of others. See, Paul does not call them to sameness. He does not call us to sameness. Unity is not uniformity. What he says is, be of the same mind in the Lord. And if we can't make space for people who are different, people whose faith is different, who live their lives differently, who love differently than we do, maybe who vote differently than we do, can we still have grace for people if we can't make space for them? Friends, in the church, we have to contend together, find our synagogues and fight united in and out of the church, especially now because the church is not a building we can be in. The church is you and it is wherever you are. Luckily, it's also where you'll find Paul's next point. That was an excellent transition, by the way. It was really good. (laughs) The next point is that Paul wants us to stand firm in God's peace. See, he knows he's talking to real people. So this whole next section, he's going to give them practical things that they can grab onto. So if you're a note taker and you like takeaways, grab a pen or get that notes app in your phone. He starts with verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Have you ever been in like a bad place, bad season, maybe it's a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, 2020, hello, (laughs) but you just kind of feel like God has forgotten about you, and so you go to a friend or you go to someone just to kind of talk to them and tell them how you're feeling, and this is the response that you get, this is what they bring to you, just rejoice in the good things, Just pray about it. Don't stress. Just pray about it. It'll all be okay. Give it to God, girl. Just give it to God. I know it makes you want to throw your Bible at them, doesn't it? Don't do that. Don't do that. I don't think people mean to slap holy band-aids on our wounds, but it's frustrating because it feels impossible. It feels impossible to do all of those things in the midst of our situations. 
How can I rejoice and just pretend like things aren't happening, that my family's not sick and people are dying? How can I be content when the world is flipped upside down? My kids are no longer even going to school. There is no summer vacation. There are no routines. I'm supposed to be content with not being able to have a plan? How can I be calm when the world is so cynical and hostile? I'm guilty of looking at other, other people who go through unfathomable things, really, really hard things, and I just wonder, how do you do that? I don't think I could do that. They must have a bigger faith than I do, or they must be better Christians than I do. But see, Paul wasn't done. In verse 7, he says, and then, and then, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Y'all, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to rejoice in the midst of a traumatic situation. It doesn't make sense to be gentle and patient when everyone else around you is angry. It doesn't make sense to stop trying to fix what's going on when you feel like you are the only one in control and no one else seems to care. It doesn't make sense to just stop and pray about it. But maybe those other people that you've looked at that seem to have a bigger faith or be better Christians, maybe it's not that at all. Maybe it's that they've figured out that there's something that they can't do and their life is reflective of the thing that they can't do. The only way to get through trauma and grief and uncertainty is to tap into the unexplainable peace of God. But see, it's a trade-off. God will not take what you won't give him. Now, he does say, give me your anxiety, give me your worries, give me your needs, and I will carry them for you. And I know for some of us it's hard because we have carried these things for so long that we are uncomfortably comfortable carrying them around. And some of you are like, I don't know how to get rid of this because then I won't know who I am anymore if I don't have this thing that has always defined my life. Some of you are saying, I've asked God, I have prayed, I have said, take this and yelled at him and said, I am so tired of praying about this thing and giving it to you. But I wonder if you look down at your other hand, if you're not still holding on. Our minds lead us to what we're going to say, do, react, how we're going to respond. What is keeping you from fully letting go? Paul says, present your requests to God. Not because he doesn't know what they are. He does. Present your requests to God because he won't take it without your permission. God is not that kind of God that he is just going to come in forcefully. You have to give it to him. And then our heaviness can be replaced with the lightness of his peace. Then we can breathe again. And that breath will feel like gentle rejoicing. Paul says, listen, let me be even more clear and tell you what you can control. Because the thing about that transaction, when you can finally let go and give it to God, is that it's not a one-time thing. All that stuff is going to come back. The negative self-talk, the overwhelm, the doubt, the criticism, the fear, the dread, the worry. Did I say the overwhelm? (laughs) That's real right now. It's going to come back. So Paul says, what you can do is replace it with these things in verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Think about such things. Look through this lens. Look through the lens of God's peace and not what you can do in your own capacity or your own strength. And the God of peace will be with you. When I read the Bible, I know it was like a long time ago, but I always like to picture it happening right now. So as I was reading this, in my mind, they're all on a Zoom call, right? So like Paul's there. It's not really a letter. He just wanted to tell them some things because people don't write on scrolls anymore. So they're all on a Zoom call. You know, you got Euodia and Sintichi, because even on Zoom, they can't be next to each other. You know what I'm saying? And so we got all the people, and Paul's there in the middle. And I feel like he just leans into the screen and calls him out again. He's like, by the way, you too? Yeah, this goes for people too. When you think about what is excellent and praiseworthy, it's not just about receiving God's peace for yourself. It also goes for other people. How do you see other people? Do you believe the best about them? Do you think these good things when you're thinking about other people? Do you assume that they're coming from good intentions that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely? Or do you come in with preconceived notions before the conversation even starts? Paul says, put it into practice. Let the peace of God's perspective be a filter that you see everyone else through. Think about it this way, at least for me. I know I look better with the filter. I always look better with the filter. And I'm guessing other people would appreciate that same filter. If we want it for ourselves, friends, we have to give it to other people. And Paul says, listen, I'm actually living this out. Like I know it seems impossible, but think about what could actually be possible. What could actually be possible for us today? In verse 11, he says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for Paul to be content in all situations. It doesn't make sense for Paul to be hungry. It doesn't make sense for Paul to be content in jail. But he is not saying, yo, I'm a boss. Look at me handle this trauma. I thrive in high-stress situations. This is not what Paul is doing. He's not bragging about the things that he's survived. He's saying God's peace and strength are so powerful that if we can truly live into them, all of these situations will feel easier and lighter. Guys, you can do the things that you can't do if you live into the peace and strength of God. You can live differently. You can love differently. You can repair relationships. You can heal wounds. You can forgive that person that you don't think you will ever be able to forgive. You can heal and you can hang on to hope. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Lastly, Paul thanks them for supporting him, and he encourages them to stand firm in their purpose. So 
you know, Paul was a church planter and he came to Philippi to start, or he started the church here in Philippi. And when he left, the Philippians gave him money. And at first they were the only ones that gave him money. And he's not telling them this to ask for more, (laughs) but he's actually just reminding them of the purpose and what it means when they give. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. He's talking about like if God was the banker, credited to their account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I mean, talk about purpose. They gave financially and they allowed Paul to have financial means to travel around and eat and get places and get an Uber and go to another city and plant another church. But it was more than that. They were a continued part of the mission wherever Paul went as long as they continued to support him. Some of you are struggling right now because you're having a hard time finding your purpose. You aren't able to do the things that you want to do because you can't leave your house and you feel like you, you want to do so many things. You want to help the world. You have gifts and you have talents and you have skills and you have good things that you can bring to all that's going on right now, but you can't take action. Some of you are home because you have to guard your health. You have to watch your health or the health of someone in your family and staying home is the wise decision. Some of you don't feel like you have the freedom to go take action because you've got kids and there's no summer camp and there's no preschool or daycare or swimming pools or parks or playgrounds or lakes or anything that you can do to occupy them. So you feel like you can't fulfill your purpose because you're at home taking care of your children. Some of you just have an unsettled spirit and you just don't feel safe to leave yet. And that is also okay. Friends, you can still be involved. You can still be part of the mission and change the world. You can still change lives around you by giving to churches and organizations that are doing the work and making things happen. The Philippians did not go with Paul. They just gave to a mission that they believed in. They gave to a movement. I get all fired up talking about purpose. (laughs) This is one of my favorite things. I have always felt the desire to do something big and to make a difference and do things that matter and make my mark on this world and leave it a better place. That is something that is very important to me. But the thing is, purpose is not about us. It can be, or it can be bigger. We think our purpose is ours to fulfill, but I had to realize that my purpose is actually a means to God's end. Fulfilling my purpose is not the end of fulfilling my purpose. Fulfilling my purpose is a means to God's end. I can live for myself. We can live for ourselves, for our families. We can see what we can achieve, base it on our successes, check the boxes, talk about the things that we are capable of. I have a high capacity. Or... We can be part of something bigger. If you're new to Mosaic, you have probably heard or seen 100 t-shirts of people say hope for all. See, here at Mosaic, we believe that that is our purpose. We want to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus because we just feel like there's been some stuff added to it. 
some rules, some religion, and we just want to strip it down and get to what Jesus says and is all about. And that's what hope for all is. We believe hope is not for some or some that are like you or some that follow these specific rules or some that go to this church, but that hope is for all. That's why I love some good news that we did at the beginning of the service. I love it. We're honored to be part of it. But really, if you give to Mosaic, these stories are about you. You are behind the change that is happening. You are providing this service right now for other people who have been hurt by the church to come back and explore what the Christian life is about. You are making it possible for people to reconnect with their faith, to reconnect with God again. Are you standing firm in your purpose? And your contribution matters. Paul says it is pleasing to God and you can't outgive God. He will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory. I feel like giving is actually a form of worship. It makes God smile. He likes it when we obey him and the things that he calls us to. It strengthens your bond with him. And yes, I, I mean financially, like with your cash monies. That is a form of worship. Who are you supporting? Who do you wish you could be a part of if whatever wasn't holding you back? What change isn't happening right now because of a lack of resources? On the flip side, are you standing behind the purposes that you're supporting? Those that you believe in, the ones that you're giving to, the ones that you're saying, we're with you, we're proud of you, I'm giving to this, I believe in the mission, I believe in the cause. Are you giving them time to figure it out? Are you standing behind the purposes and giving them grace to make mistakes? This is an unprecedented time for all of us. And I guarantee you that behind the logo and the tagline, it is just a group of people trying to figure things out, facing the same frustrations that you're facing, trying to answer the same questions that you are trying to answer, trying to navigate what is going on in 2020. These purposes are facing the same things. They just have a graphics team or one graphics person who knows social media and makes them look a little bit more legit. Are you standing firm in your purpose and behind your purposes? As Paul closes, he tells them to greet all God's people in Christ Jesus and to receive his grace into their spirits. Grace, the free and unmerited, undeserved favor of God in our lives. Another way I've heard it is that grace is the bridge that connects the ordinary and the impossible. What would it look like if we actually received grace into our spirits? What would it look like if grace was the lens that we filtered everything through? If we approached people and stood firm with people with grace. If we received God's peace into our spirits with grace even for ourselves when we mess up. If we had grace in our purpose when we're going too slowly or we don't think we've achieved enough or if we had grace in the purposes that we support. This seems so hard to do things on our own. But what if the impossible could become possible with God on our side? Stand firm, friends. Let me pray for you. 
God, I just thank you so much, Father, for everyone who has joined us today. God, I pray that you would help us to have the lens of grace. God, I pray specifically for people, for relationships, Lord, that need to be repaired. God, I pray for all of the relationships that you brought to mind. Lord, I pray that you would give people courage and bravery, Father, to reach out, to put their pride down, to put their unforgiveness down, God, and to be the first one to reach out and show forgiveness or just even start a conversation. God, I specifically pray for people who have a broken relationship with the church or with you, Lord. They're here, God. They have a desire for you. They have a desire for community and connection again, but they're scared and they're afraid of being hurt. God, I pray for peace. I pray for your peace to rest on all of us, Father. I pray against mental illness. God, I pray against lies and the voices in our heads. Lord, we know that there's an enemy and I am sure that he has popped up during this talk to combat the things that you are saying through me. And I pray against all of those voices, God, and that we would be able to discern and listen to only you. And God, I, feel, I pray for people who feel lost and they can't find their purpose. They don't know what their purpose is right now. Maybe they've lost their job. They don't know their purpose because everything is different and they don't recognize anything that is happening right now in their lives or their world. God, I pray that you would help us to remember that our purpose is a means to your end. And as long as we take you with us and don't try to do it on our own, we are winning. God, we just thank you for who you are. And I thank you for what you are going to do, God, with these nuggets and seeds that you planted this morning, Father. I cannot wait to see how they grow and change people this week. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this one last song, we're gonna have our response time. And if you've been at Mosaic for a while, you know when we're in the building, there are specific things to do. And so you might be feeling kind of lost at home going, I don't know what to do during response time. Do I just sit and watch the song? If you wanna do that, you can. Maybe you've been up in the kitchen and doing things this whole time. And so maybe you do need to just sit for a couple minutes and listen to what God has to say to you. Maybe you've been sitting and you need to just stand up and walk around. Maybe you need to figure out what God is asking from you or nudging you to give him. Just pull out your notes app. You don't have to have a cross. You don't have to have a post-it. Pull out your notes app, write it down. Pray through that with God. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.